Hey guys. Yep, this is it. You can see it down below. This is my review of the season nine slash series finale for Friendship is Magic, My Little Pony. Or My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. First of all, I want to address something. I know a lot of people are sad about it, so am I. In fact, when it came to an end, it was a bit of a swelling up happening. Just a bit. Just a tiny bit. Not much. Now, I know you're saying, well, why didn't you let it all out? Here's the thing. As I've mentioned before, and I'll mention again. You know, I grew up around family, mostly with my dad, to where... Yeah, you could cry if you need to. You gotta let it out when you need to. But when it comes to other things as well, sometimes you gotta be strong. You gotta be strong. And as a lot of people have said, just be happy that the series happened when it did. And I am. I am happy. And I go back, and I'll even mention this probably in my overview later on, when I do an overview of the entire series. You know, I, I'm one of those people that never thought they'd become a part of the family. That, that's the honest truth. I never thought, ever, that I would become a fan. I would become a fan, you know. I'd become part of the fandom. Never thought that. Like I was saying, I never thought I'd become a fan or part of the fandom myself, you know. I, I for one, came on YouTube seven years ago and I did a video that said I'm not a brony. And in that video, I basically said that I respected what the show was doing, but I was not going to be part of that brony Pegasus community. Little did I know, about six years later, I would come out again on Facebook and on YouTube and admit to the world that I am a fan, that I am a brony, I am part of that community. So, basically I, over time, started to understand why fans loved it. Heck, I think as early as 2014-15, I started talking about it just by acknowledging comparisons and references and stuff like that. So yeah, there was a bit of sadness when it came to the realization that this was it. Now when that ending occurred, when that final scene happened, that was it. Now, I do want to say this. Just because new episodes will not happen doesn't mean the series is gone. Everybody acts like it's gone, but it's not. The series still exists. The series is still being re-ran on Discovery Family. The series is going to be on demand as far as Discovery Family is concerned. And sooner or later will be on Netflix if you haven't. And if you can afford to get it, you can get the entire season through Amazon, iTunes. Google Play, you name it. There's always going to be something there. Always. It's always going to be there. And I know a lot of fans are not too thrilled 
at the fact that season 10 is going to happen, but only in comic book form, I can understand that because you want something more. You want season 10 to be animated. You want the main six voice actresses and actors to come back. And who's to say they won't? Just because, like I said, new episodes are not happening, it doesn't mean they won't come back for the occasional maybe special or when Gen 5 occurs, probably the possible crossover. No one can really say, no one can really tell. But yes, it is sad that the series, as far as new episodes are concerned, yet are concerned, it is indeed sad. But I'm going to come on here and I'm going to discuss my thoughts of the entire finale. Because I did a live three and a half minute reaction afterwards. And I'm going to do one, I'm going, and so now what I'm trying to say is I'm going to do my review on it now. So let's get going. Now, first of all, I will admit I did not watch the first few minutes. The reason being is I wasn't too sure if I was going to watch it. You see what was going on is my mom was of course doing her cleaning. She likes to clean, listen to her music, stuff like that, when she has the time. So I wasn't too sure if maybe she was going to need me to do something, you know, maybe order pizza, whatever. I wasn't too sure. So, much to my surprise, I gave it a few minutes then decided to turn off my PS4 and focus on Discovery Family and on the, on the special. So I didn't see the first few moments. I didn't see when they drained Discord, I mean not Discord, but Grogar, and I'll get into that in a moment because I just mentioned his name. Grogar of his power. I didn't see that part, but I have seen clips of it before. And yes, to let anybody know, in case you haven't known, I do have all three episodes that were compiled together as one in this primetime finale. I have them all compiled together. I have them all individually on DVD. This was all due to the hack that occurred about several weeks ago. This is why a lot of people from Shawnee Pack, uh, Dark Horse of KC, Malunimus and a few others have been able to come out and give reviews, recaps, reactions already because of these hacks. So I already knew what was going on. I had seen various clips of it. YouTube, people would post on YouTube various clips. So even though I missed a few, the first few moments where Crystalis was even talking to this chef unicorn and kind of starting a lot of rumors and distrust between the pony races. Yeah, I may have missed that, but I'm pretty much up to speed as to what was going on. So, anyway. So anyway, 
let's get into the story itself. Uh, basically, the villainous trio, the real meat of it, if you will, starts from the villainous trio of Cozy Glow, T-Rex, and Crystalis use Grogar's bell to infuse themselves individually with power. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They do kind of argue, basically, like, who should have the most power out of it, but they decide to divide it three ways. And throughout this finale, you could tell, even in the first two parts, or during certain parts, or mo during certain scenes in the two-parter, you could tell, you could tell that there is definitely a lot of distrust within these three villains. There is. There is, there is no doubt that there is distrust. You know, they don't trust one over the other. Excuse me. So, anyway, let's get to, let's get, like I said, to the meat. Let's get right to it. Basically, they infuse themselves with magic. Now, here's what's interesting. After they do this, they decide. Now, like I said, after they do this, they decide, Grogar returns. He has this little trinket that he considers probably the best, best if not the most powerful thing that can help them defeat Twilight. Only for him to show, only for him to be ambushed by Crystalis, Tyrek, and Cozy Glow as they come out with the new forms thanks to the bell. Now, Grogar is shocked about this by acknowledging the fact that they had the bell the whole time. And so, they basically, of course, reveal the plan that they were going to betray him and use the bell for themselves anyway. So what do they do in the process to prove who they don't need Grogar anymore? They use his bell's power to drain his magic, and in the process, reveal that Grogar is not Grogar at all. Yeah, Grogar is a red herring. Grogar is actually Discord, which kind of surprises the trio of villains. Like, wait a minute, he was the one bossing us around the whole time? What the heck? So anyway, long story short, they basically feel like he's not a threat now, even if it's, but even if it was just proven that Everything they just went through under his orders was nothing but a ruse or something. So anyway, we skip. So anyway, we tran we transition over the Cantalot, and we're seeing the changes occur. We're seeing from a moving perspective the changes occur. We see that Celestia and Luna's thrones are being removed. They're being removed for one big throne, which is Twilight's, so that she could sit there and rule over, uh, rule over Acrestia. 
Now, Spike is, of course, with her. And then this is where she gives Spike something that a lot of people felt he's been needing for a long time. True recognition. See, what she does is Spike is proud for her. He's happy for her. He's glad for her. He's telling her, hey, I'm going to be here no matter what uh, by your side. Which she acknowledges by giving him a medallion. She gives him a case, opens it up, and it's a medallion. She puts it around his neck and deems him her royal friendship advisor and ambassador. Which means that they will always be by each other's side, no matter what the circumstance. And of course, Spike is in tears and everything is happily, is in happy, has happy tears with this, and he's just proud of it. So anyway, later on, they meet up with the rest of the main six. You know, to see if everybody's, you know, kind of all ready to go with the upcoming coronation and stuff. Twilight decides to joke around a little bit with Rarity, throwing a little bit of a marshmallow reference, <laughs> if you will, about, oh, you know, you sure you didn't get the marshmallow dress? You sure you forgot about, she sure you got everything, including the marshmallow dress or something like that? So, she has a little bit of fun. Spike acknowledges, wow, you have come a long way, because you wouldn't have done that in the past. And then that's when Discord shows up. And much to everyone's surprise, even Spike, because Spike calls this out, Spike says, wait a minute, you ran all the way here? And then that's when Discord admits, well, then that's where Discord, after he acknowledges, yes, I did. And then this is where Discord basically finally admits it's he may have screwed up. By basically acknowledging the whole thing with Sombra, Umbra uh, being his idea, and then freeing and bringing together three villains that I'm not particularly fans of the main six, or the main seven, if you will. And, yeah, this kind of shocks Twilight and all of them, the, the main seven shocks them. And then that's where we go to commercial. Then when we come back, Basically, Discord's finished explaining what he's done. And Miss Anthropony, Mac, if you're watching, I don't know if you are, you said it best. You said it best. You said it best. You said that within those few moments where Discord admitted what he had done, he became the most hated character in that episode, if not in that series for those moments. Because every single character from the main seven to Celestial Luna are pissed. I am not joking. They are pissed. I mean, Celestia basically calls him out for what he did. Basically saying, so you think doing this was to help her? Because basically Discord explains his intentions all along was to make this occur, was to make this situation happen to where, as Grogar, he would team up these three villains, force them to attack Cantalot during Twilight's coronation, and in his mind, Twilight and the Main Seven would rise up, face the villains, defeat them, and thus, in the process, it would prove to Twilight that if she's willing to face that kind of adversity, 
She'll be ready for anything as a true leader and ruler should be. He just had no idea that his plan would backfire right in his face. And again, everybody is pissed. Spike is pissed because Discord is like one of his close buddies. So he's pissed. And he put basically his sister, Spike's sister, in this predicament. Rarity's pissed for the same reasons as well as it puts stress on her. The fact that I've been more, and from a fact, it put, you know, like I said, Rarity's pissed. Not just because of what Discord did, but because of the fact that she's designing the dresses. Designing the dress, the coronation dress that, you know, it, it stresses her out. It's like, excuse me for a second. But, yeah, she, the, the main seven and the princesses are not happy. They are not. They are not happy. And Twilight, of course, is distraught because... She's coming to realize that some of the things they just went through, like with Sombra and a few other situations, were all done because of discord. It's almost like, and, and Fluttershy, you gotta think about poor Fluttershy. Here's someone that she looks up, here's someone that she's close friends with, if not more so, in the eyes of a lot of people, and yet she's feeling betrayed because out of all the characters, out of all of the main seven, discord didn't take her side and say, uh, Fluttershy, can I tell you a little secret? Just promise me you won't tell Twilight anything, anyone, or any pony else that took the time to write. Alright, and Fluttershy could have been like, well, what, what's going on? What's the secret? And Discord could have been like, well, I'm kind of currently right now in the process of pretending to be this ancient being known as Grogar. I brought these three villains together that really don't like you guys. That's Callisto's Cozy Go uh, to basically bond them together, try to make friends out of them, and I kind of have a plan to possibly have them attack uh, the the king, you know, Cantalot doing the coronation, and and then that twelve and you guys would rise up and defeat them. But but don't tell her until then. Don't tell her until then. It's all a good tension. Everything's gonna work out. It's like if Discord would have done that in Fluttershy's eyes or any other fan's eyes, at least confide in her what he was doing. Maybe he wouldn't come off as such a jerk or a douchebag or a hypocrite. Now, some people have tried to, to excuse... Now, let me, let me talk about the Discord is Groguarding thing for a moment. Let's talk about that for a second before I move on. I know a lot of people are pissed by that because you, you hype up Grogar for so long in this series, possibly coming into it, and probably being the last villain. And then in the end, you pull this red herring like, Oh, psych! He was never meant to be the villain. It was these three all along. Now, according to Jim Miller, who recently has been on Twitter answering questions, he answered a question when it, when, it came, when it came to a relation of that situation. Jim Miller basically said that he want, that the plan all along, from the beginning, whether you believe it or you don't, was to have these three villains be the final antagonist, be the final threat, because of the personal connection the villains have with the heroes. So, yeah, that was the reason why, in the end, Grogar was a red herring and it was actually Discord. But anyway, like I said, nobody is happy about this. Everybody is happy. Twilight's a little distraught because now she's realizing that any kind of victory 
they had as of late was nothing but a lie. It was made up. And now the and now the basically having to deal with a real life situation that puts them in danger. Now, however, however, her friends are able to kind of perk her up a little bit. Spike, of course, helps her out. It makes her realize, look, you know, we faced threats before. You know, it's not nothing's going to be different here. It's just we got three powerful beings infused with powerful magic, but we have faced worse, or if not, just as worse. So, you know, they give her her prep talk, which does brighten her up, brighten Twilight up, encourage her, and she's able to basically organize a plan right then and there of what to do. She organizes a plan. One of the plans is to send out letters of emergency to everyone across Equestria. She sends it to her to her brother and her sister-in-law in, in uh, the Crystal Empire, acknowledging them that they'll be the last line of defense if anything happens. Then she sends a letter to the Pillars to get ready to guard the, the to Starswell, I should say, to gather all the Pillars to uh, basically guard certain. Uh, terrain, or terrain, if you will, borders, to make sure nothing happens. She sends a letter to the School of Friendship, acknowledging that if Crystalis is involved, the first pony she's going to go for is Starlight. And that's a callback to, of course, the end of To Wear and Back Again. Because Crystalis has always had it out for Starlight, because she blames Starlight for taking her kingdom away. So, they're basically getting all this planned out. However, all the planning in the world doesn't help. It doesn't. Because basically, everybody's all situated, everybody's getting things ready. Trixie and the student six are getting the rest of the school out of the, all the other students out of the school. Well, Starlight does face off with with uh, Crystalis, teleports them to basically what looks like the freaking North Pole or Antarctica, who knows? Where basically, as Starlight puts it, this is a place where you can't hurt no one. And they have a good battle. They have a good little short battle. But in the end, Crystalis does defeat Starlight because Starlight makes a big mistake. She traps Crystalis under an avalanche. But in the end, what happens is she gets caught because she turns her back on Crystalis, not thinking or not realizing Crystalis is infused with so much magic now that an avalanche isn't going to stop her. So she ends up getting caught, wrapped up in a cocoon, and Crystalis takes her and flies off with her to wherever, to the new, or to what remains of, to wherever. Right? So, here's what happens then. So, T-Rex shows up, he's facing the Pillars, the Pillars do their best, but they get the floor, they get, basically T-Rex wipes the floor with them. I mean, the only two hopeful spots we have in here are Raku and Sanambula. And they end up getting wiped out too. They end up getting wiped out too. Then, on top of that, 
The last course is Cozy Glow invading the castle. And Cozy Glow, for a bit, wipes the floor with the guards. She wipes the floor with Celestial Luna by draining their magic, much to Twilight's chagrin. And, and then she tries to go, and then just when she thinks she has the upper hand, Twilight brings out her friends, and from behind the uh, throne, from behind her throne, uh, her throne, they kind of occupy Crystal, I mean, not Christmas, but Cozy Glow for a while. And just when it looks like they have the upper hand on Cozy Glow, with Applejack bringing her down with a rope, that's when everything goes straight to crap. That's when the villain, the other villains, show up. The big old glass window in the back breaks, and basically. The trio is pretty much, you know, done for, if you will. They're pretty much history, if you, if you will. Well, pretty much in that situation. So it gets to the point to where basically, uh, basically they're able to use, to, uh, because basically here's what happens. When Cozy Glow shows up, she shows up and she basically, one of the first things she does if she doesn't just wipe the floor with the guards there, but she initially just zaps Twilight right into her throne, and as I think Malunimus puts it, breaks seemingly breaks her neck almost just by the impact. Now I can see why they put it in prime time. But yeah, overall, uh, but overall, basically what happens is the villains finally all come together at the castle, blast half of the castle out of existence. Um, if you will. And basically, basically, it looks like, um, I think when Twilight, I, and, and there's a moment in here, I think it's after the villains show up, I believe. Yeah, it is, because it's either after Cozy Glow or the villains show up, I gotta go back and watch, but basically, one of them throws what looks like it looks like they're going to get ready to blast Twilight. And Rarity, out of exhaustion, is able to use her magic to hurl a freaking boulder or a rock or whatever it is right at them. So yeah, even after they're getting knocked down and wiped out, she still has enough strength to get up and throw, use her magic to help out. So, I love that. But in the end, what happens is the villains all decide to team together you know, combine the magic together and shoot it straight at Twilight and the main six, but they're able to put like some kind of boulder up like a shield. And most of them, most of the main six, in, most of the main seven I should say, including Spike and the princesses, do what they can to hold off uh, the villains for Twilight to get out of there and find help. So that's how basically the first part ends. Twilight leaves, teleports out, and finds help, allowing her friends and the princesses to be captured. So what happens? We don't know where Twilight is, right? Come the second part, we don't know where she is. The villains have won, right? Wrong. Wrong. We are wrong about that. But it's seemingly like the villains have won, but we are wrong. Because again, even though everybody doesn't know where Twilight's at, the, you think, again, the villains have won, but they haven't. Of course, as typical villains go, typical villain trope, they gloat about, you know, what they've accomplished. But then, of course, 
it is showcased in front of the uh, main seven or the main rest six of the main seven and discord and everybody that yeah these villains don't trust each other because just for a temporary moment when Tyrick and Tyrick can have the Tyrick and Crystalis I can form words here. But just what it looks like, but just as Tyrick and Crystalis have the backs turned, just momentarily, Cozy Glow tries to infuse herself with more magic until she's caught by uh, Tyrick and Crystalis. And you can tell this distrust between them because the one thing that Crystalis is always doing, because obviously you can tell she's out for herself, just like Tyrick and Cozy Glow are, is she keeps referring to. You know, the final thing being that in the end, everybody will do what I say. Me, me, me kind of deal. Because she wants that queen status back. She wants that queen status back. So anyway, even though they go through the typical villain tropes, I'll give Crystalis credit. I'll give Crystalis' character credit. At least she's willing to acknowledge that basically the magic that was infused in the shards of her old throne well, she even compliments and says, well, she even acknowledges that, saying, yeah, they used this to try to prevent me, but it kind of backfired kind of deal. Uh, but, you know, Crystal, let's give her credit. She at least acknowledges that, hey, where they are, where they're trapped, their magic can affect us. Like, she literally draws a line in the sand. She draws a line in the sand, acknowledging that on this side, magic, they can't use magic because of the spells. But on this side... Magic can be used. So, how do the rest of the main six, or the main seven, how do the rest of the main seven come get out of this? Do they try to find Twilight? Because they even realize that there is no way they can get out of this situation because of, well, the stickiness of whatever the slime substance that Crystal has put into the, you know, on the prison. And, you know, it's also during this moment where, of course, you know, Discord does apologize. He says he's sorry. He did truly, from the bottom of his heart, have true good intentions. He didn't mean for any of this to go the way he did. Yeah, because all he was hoping for was at least to try to contribute. And, of course, you, you know, the, main, the rest of the main seven are not too happy with him still. Fluttershy is still in tears. That he would not trust her or tell her. Sorry, my dog thought she heard something. But anyway, like I said, Fluttershy is still uh, in tears herself because, you know, Discord didn't trust her or tell her what he was planning to do or anything. She feels a little betrayed. But Discord does say, I will do whatever can I can to make it up to you guys, I promise. And <laughs> the rest of the main, and I think it's Rainbow Dash or Spike that says, you know, that's going to be a very big promise that you have to make. Well, that's going to be a big makeup you're going to have to do. And big makeup he does. And he does live up to that. Because what, he's do, what he does is he finds a way to distract the villains. He basically, because the villains, they're not too sure, even though they're infused with the magic, they're not too sure how to use it just yet. But Discord is able to kind of 
tickle their ears by saying, hey, I'll let you know if you let my friends go, or if you don't harm my friends, you let them go. And, you know, he tries to appease to them, like if you ask him nicely, you know, that. You know, so basically in the end, Cozy Glow tries the little, the please part. Chrysalis doesn't buy it, doesn't agree to do that, says basically orders, is th threats and orders is easier, and demands to be known. Tyrek calls Discord out by saying he's lying, he's not going to share with them the information. Discord then, of course, acknowledges that by calling back to uh, the series, uh, the season finale of season four, by saying, of course he wouldn't tell Turek because he betrayed him the last time they teamed up. Oh, call, you know, and, you know, he ends up calling uh, Turek a big cretin after, after saying that or acknowledging that, saying, yeah, you know, the last time, of course I wouldn't tell you. The last time we teamed up, you betrayed me, you big cretin. So he has a little bit of a banter with, with Turek, Turek and everything. Which, of course, Discord obviously knows how to push certain characters' buttons because he's been around for so long. Because one thing he does do is he acknowledges King Borak, which is Tyrek's father. And that's enough to piss Tyrek off to the point that, you know, unbeknownst to Tyrek and the villains, Discord has this, like, little shield, magic shield or whatever, or mirror, or reflection thing. He's able to pull it out, pull it out from behind his back and it reflects, um, it reflects off, uh, off of it and shoots in all different directions. Now, of course, the villains think, oh, he, he missed. His little plan backfired. But then that's when you hear Starlight go, did he miss? And then, boom, out she comes. And literally, it's just teleporting all over the place. And it's distracting the villains. Finally gets in front of the uh, the main the rest uh, six of the, get, gets in front of the other main six main seven members I should say, and of course they tell her hey you go get Twilight you go get her, and Starlight's like no you need to do it she knows you she depends on you more so, and literally she unleashes this big old magic burst like everybody sees this and they're like Starlight where did you learn that. Because literally, this big burst of magic that she unleashes frees everybody. It breaks, it destroys the gooey substance that's imprisoning everyone. And it's just enough for, just enough to allow the main, the six of the main seven to escape and go find Twilight. While Starlight and the princesses and the pillars distract the villain. Along with Discord. So anyway, the main six of the main seven are going off to find Twilight. They notice a lot of the dissension that's going on uh, with all the pony tribes, or the, all the pony races. You know, even to the point that Mayor Mayor is stressed out. So like she's like, I I don't know, I don't know. You know, and all that. So anyway, they show up thinking Twilight's in Ponyville. But we find out she's not. Uh, so they go to another place. So they know, okay, she's not in Ponyville. Where could she be? And then that's when Spike's like, 
I know where she's at. I know exactly where Twilight's at. Because he knows Twilight. He, he's, Twilight's his sister, if you will. He knows where she's at, and ironically, that's exactly where she is at the Crystal Empire. She basically bowled herself out of there, straight to the Crystal Empire. Her cadence and Shining Armor are happy to see her. Cadence points out that, yeah, she's up in her room. She's upstairs in, I guess, her guest in her room when she stays there. And that's where they find her. Twilight's a little surprised that they escaped, aped and everything. Um, but yeah, Twilight, as they find her, she's just sulking and upset and mad. And, you know, she, she, she's just like going through that traditional Twilight, like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Do this, everything we've gone through is nothing but a lie. I da da da. And it finally takes her friends, and especially Applejack. Applejack gave to me the line of all time in the series. The line of all time in the series. Applejack basically said a line that's true to real life itself. She told Twilight, okay, listen, you want the truth, Twilight? Here's the truth. Bad things happen. Nothing's perfect. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. That, and I love that. I was thinking, I watched that part and I was like, yes! Finally! Finally, Applejack gives ultimate truth to Twilight by saying, nothing's ever perfect. Nothing is ever perfect. Excuse me for a second. Okay, sorry about that guy that was just taking care of something right there. Actually finalizing the DVD that I had. But anyway, getting back on point here, what was it? Oh yeah. So anyway, like I was saying to recap, the main six escaped, well the six of the main seven I should say escaped thanks to Starlight and Discord and the distraction that the princesses along the pillars kind of caused uh, with the villains. And they go to Ponyville, they see the dissension going on there, even to the point that, uh, you know, you see, you know, the Pegasi closing out, you know, Cloudsville, Cloudsdale, you know, stuff like that. You see all this dissension happening. And, you know, it's kind of like Mayor Mayor doesn't know what to do. And then the main, like I said, six of the main seven show up. And uh, basically... They're trying to figure out what's going on, on, and, you know, trying to find Twilight because they're told by Starlight, go find her. They're told by Discord and the you know, princesses and Starlight, go find Twilight. Because at first, like I said, uh, before I interrupt, had an interruption there, uh, Applejack's the one that tells Starlight, go find Twilight, and Starlight's like, no, you gotta go find her. She depends on you more. And she literally, Starlight, when she, after she says that, unleashes this big old magic to where people are like, have had, have had the reaction of like, whoa. You know, even I had the reaction of like, whoa, Starlight, where did you get that? Where did you have that from? You know, where did that come from kind of deal? So anyway, long story short, uh, Starlight frees them uh, to be able to go find Twilight. So they go to Ponyville, they don't find her there, and then Spike has an epiphany, and he realizes where Twilight's at. And lo and behold, she's exactly where, you know, they, 
you know, Spike feels that she would be, and that's the Crystal Empire. Now, you might ask, well, wait a minute, how did they get on board? How did they get to the Crystal Empire? Did they travel? Did they walk? They had to. Or, you know, Fluttershy and, uh, Fluttershy and uh, uh, Rainbow Dash had to carry best they could, both Applejack and, well, Fluttershy, well, Fluttershy, <laughs> Applejack, and Spike as best they could probably carried uh, Rarity and uh, Applejack and Pinky, you know, in flight to the area. Not saying they didn't. But anyway, long story short, to show up at the Crystal Empire, Cadence is happy to see them. Cadence points out that she's up, the Twilight's upstairs. They, in her, I guess, her room when, that she has when she stays there. They go there. Twilight's surprised to see them. Twilight is, you know, she's happy to see them. Kind of surprised they escaped. And they're there to kind of get her to, you know, get on her hoofs and try to save Equestria. But of course, Twilight's still going through the, going through the typical Twilight trope we've seen before in the series when it comes to the finales, the premieres, and even the movie. She's going through these emotional, you know, regressionness, like, you know, there's nothing they can really do. She even points out, again, that the whole thing with Sombra at the beginning of the season was a lie. But it's fine, but finally, you know, it's like she's going through all the sulkiness. And again, sorry for the interruption, the battery died there. But anyway, like I was saying, uh, they basically go to, well, basically, what I was saying, a little bit of recap. They find Twilight sulking in her, I guess, her room that she stays in when she visits the Crystal Empire. And they're happy to see her. Twilight's surprised that they escaped. They try to encourage her to get on the hooves and get, help save Equestria. But of course, in typical Twilight fashion that we've seen in these kind of scenarios, when it comes to series finale, season finales, or even the movie from 2017, you know, she's in her typical Twilight trope of sulking, not feeling that there's anything possible. She even points out that, again, everything from like Sombra at the beginning of season 9 has been nothing but a lie and everything, and maybe some of the other victories were, you know, very similar. Just checking something there. But very similar. So basically, long story short, Applejack, and I pointed this out, and I know I'm repeating myself, I do apologize, but I've had to, <laughs> you know, I've had to stop uh, certain sections of this uh, review to take care of some things, and of course the battery died. Uh, but anyway, Applejack comes out with probably the best line of the entire season, if not the series, showing why she is the true element of honesty. She comes out and tells and says, Twilight, you want the truth? Here's the truth. Bad things happen. Nothing is perfect. Which I was like, thank God someone said that. Or thank Celestia someone said that because that's a truth, not just for a moment like that, but for reality. Bad things happen. Nothing is perfect. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that line being thrown in there. So they basically acknowledge to Twilight, look, you've gone through a lot, a lot. Spike even mentions to her, look, you've done more than you, you think. You've done more than you can ever imagine. And everybody and all the other rest of the main seven point out, look, we wouldn't be who we are, be where we are, if, it weren't for, if we hadn't have met you. We wouldn't be in the positions in our lives right now if we had not met you. So they basically give her the, the talk she needs to make her realize you have lived up to your title. You are the princess of friendship. 
You've proven it time and time again, and now it's time to prove it one more time. And that's enough for Twilight to be encouraged, be thankful, and be reminded of who she is. So they decide the only thing they can do is face the villains head up. And, you know, Cadence and Shining Armor, they overhear this. Cadence has a line of saying, now that's the foil, now that's the foal or the filly. No, that's the foal I used to sit. Or now that's the unicorn or, or that's the twilight I used to foil sit or something like that. And she even says, we're ready when it, we're, and we're ready to stand by your side. But, but Twilight says, no, you guys got to stay here. You got to stay here because if we fail... And she even puts a hoof on her head. She says, if we fail, Flory Heart's our last defense. Basically acknowledging, basically acknowledging a callback to the season six premiere of how powerful Flory Heart is. Saying that if we fall, she is our last salvation. So anyway, they meet, so anyway... Uh, basically, uh, at the same time, I'm um, even now. Now, here's the thing: in between all this, in between all this, while they're trying to encourage Twilight and helping her get back on her hoofs and make her realize who she is and what she's done and accomplished already, all of a sudden you start hearing this whistling or this howling sound, and outside you see the formation of Wendigos, which plays back to. The heartwarming, the heartwarming tale of the origin and the coming together of Equestria and all the pony races. Now, not only do the main seven see this, but so do every pony and creature else. They see this, and some are trying to play it off like, "Oh, it's just a wise tale." You know, and people, and other ponies are like, "That ain't, that ain't no tale. That ain't no fairy tale. That's real." So, yeah, every pony's in a panic. Um, and in the meantime, you know, you have the villains that kind of like celebrating the victory, standing on, you know, standing on the balcony of what remains of the castle, the upper part of the castle, Catalog Castle, that is. And even Cozy Glow's kind of freezing a little bit, looking up and seeing the Wendigos, thinking, you know, wait a minute. You know, even Tirek is like, wait a minute, this ain't good. Uh, and Chrysalis, she's just, you know, she's blowing it off and everything, like, don't worry. You know, that's no big deal. We'll take care of them no matter what. And Tyrek, being around as long as he has, is like, you shouldn't mess with that. You shouldn't just throw that off. So anyway, in the process, Cozy Glow notices Twilight and the others showing up. So they go and meet them. And basically, this is where we have our big climactic battle, at least the first part of it. Because basically Cozy Glow fires at them after Twilight tries to make a speech and Cozy Glow like, enough, can we just get this over with? Which kind of right there with Cozy Glow being a pony herself acknowledges that, look, we, you know, enough of your friendship speeches. And some might say, oh, that's just probably a little in joke and all that saying, you know, look, we're sick and tired of this crap. Let's just get this done with. So anyway, Twilight is able to teleport herself and her friends away to, you know, come up with a quick plan. And the plan is for her, Pinky, and Rainbow Dash to distract the villains while Spike, Rarity, Applejack, and Fluttershy get Grogar's Bell. 
And of course this works a little bit. This works for a time. This works for a bit. That is until Chrysalis notices, you know, after, you know, Kozikla says, why do these, why do they, what, you know, why can't they stop being so annoying? And then Chrysalis notices, not annoying, distracting, and they able to, and that's when they catch up to the plan of what they're trying to do. And you have moments where, you know, Applejack tries to get the bell with a rope, a rope gets broken. You have a Rarity and Spike running off, off trying to escape or trying to get to safety. And Spike gets blasted right in the back. And this is enough for Rarity to just turn around. And when I saw this moment, and everybody that's a, a Sparity fan, you're going to love this. So the moment after Spike gets blasted in the back, Rarity just like, she ceases, turns around, boom, hits a, puts a big old shield spell up. Puts a big old shield spell up to try to protect herself and Spike. And then when that fails, and it looks like she's going to get blasted by Crystalis, Spike is able to kind of, you know, protect her with his fire breath. And then they combine both their powers together temporarily until Crystalis blows them away, or at least blows them separately away from each other. That there, I don't care what you say, that to me was a nod. That was like, you wanted a big Sperry moment? You wanted some? You got it. And I thank Jim Miller, Josh Haber, Nicole Dubuque, anybody, depending on how you feel about them, for putting that moment in there. So anyway, everybody is trying to get to the bell. They all fail. And basically, basically the way the villains kind of beat the main seven is by threatening to break and tear off Spike's wings. So when they finally do surrender and give up, T-Rex basically points out that, see, this is what friendship does to you. It's your weakness. In other words, by saying that line, T-Rex is like, look, if you didn't care so much about friendship, and you'd be like, you know what? We can help Spike. We can heal him. Let's just get that bell. That's his mentality. It's like, you, hey, if you really wanted to stop us, you would have gotten that bell. You wouldn't have cared if he got hurt. So anyway... This is where the big epic moment comes in. Everybody is like, obviously they saw Endgame. <laughs> you know, but Endgame came out earlier. Endgame came out during the process. I don't know if they were putting the finishing touches on this or what. But anyway, we get a big moment here. When it looks like the villains are about to blast and destroy the main seven. That's when a big shield protects them. Spike's like, can I open my eyes now? And Apple checks. Like, yep, you sure can. And they and Twilight and Apple says like, good job, Twilight. And Twilight's like, I didn't put the shield up. And then they notice, along with the villains, who did, and it's the other unicorns. It's all the creatures of Equestria coming together, including Tempest Shadow. Yeah, you take a look at that that image. Tempest Shadow makes her debut officially in the series. And some people might say, it took long enough. The only problem is they didn't get Emily Blunt to at least say a line or something. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, she's there along with all the other creatures. The Wonderbolts, the Wonderbolts, even Derpy, and the Changelings, and the Dragons, and all of them that can fly and run and kind of cause a distraction. You know, go off. And fight the villains or at least try to distract them long enough to get the main seven to safety. You know, Thorax, you know, brings up that he's not sure how long, 
you know, the changes are going to keep up, be able to keep up the distraction um, on how long the mat, the unicorn shield magic is going to, to last. Last and everything. And Twilight's wondering, okay, I understand that, but how did you all get here? And that's when the student six speak up. That's when I think it's Smolder, uh, not Smolder, but Gallus speaks up and says, yeah, that was kind of our fault. And then Smolder's like, yeah, you know all those lectures you gave us about friendship and everything? And then we get a flashback of how this all came to be. We get a flashback to when the, the ponies in Ponyville, the Earth ponies, see the Wendigos and they're running off. And Sandbar, he puts a box, stands on the ground, stands on the box, and basically stops them and reminds them, hey, you ever hear, remember Heartswarming, remember the first Heartswarming? Remember what happened there? Remember how that came to be? Remember how the first Heartswarming came to be? How all the pony tribes and races came together? And... I think it's Cherryberry, the one that everybody considers like the town drunk or something, actually speaks in this episode. She's like, what? So you think, so you think singing songs is going to help stop it? It help stop this? And Sandbar has to remind her, no, it's not just singing. It's about coming together, putting our differences aside. And then after that, it translates, transitions to this little pony, this little unicorn pony, that basically continues on speaking, speaking something, you know, something similar to the unicorns, then it transitions to this Pegasus filly that says, that continues to spill, kind of translates over to him, where he tells the Pegasus the same thing, kind of similar, that, hey, we all put our differences together to save Equestria at one point before. Then it transitions over to Yo Yona, who's talking about, you know, yaks are strong and everything, but together, Yaks and ponies are stronger because we're friends. Then that translates over, transitions over to Smolder, who basically acknowledges, look, I understand not all of you like this whole friendship deal, but I've seen it with my eyes. This, this is a good thing. This helps. This works. And we need to help them. And then after that, it transitions over to Ga Alice, and he's telling the Griffins basically similar Sim basically, they're all saying similar situ similar speeches, giving similar identical speeches. And then, the last one, it transitions over to... Um, or one of the last... Th then the next one, I should say, that it transitions over to is Silverstream. And she's in sea pony form. She's in sea pony form. So that should have given you a clue of what might, who we might see. And lo and behold, who did we see in this flashback? We saw Tempest Shadow be part of that assembly of creatures... To help protect the main seven. Who do we see in the flashback. When Silverstream is giving the same identical speech. You know in sea pony form. Who do we see besides her brother behind her. And maybe even her parents. Who do we see. Queen Novo. And Princess Skystar. Yeah. We see Novo and Skystar. In the flashback with Silverstream. You could definitely tell that the creators, the staff, went all out to make sure this finale felt more than just as a regular ser series of season finale. They went all out. And then we transition over to, to Ocellus, who's giving, like I say, the same identical speech. I think even reminding how the ponies helped them and everything. 
And then we transition back to present day, where basically, you know, you know, the student stakes acknowledge, yeah, you know, all that stuff you taught us paid off. And even Applejack acknowledges this by saying, hey, you know, you were right, Twilight. Opening the first day, you were right the first day you opened at school. You know, her and Pinky, I think, are acknowledging that she was right about, you know, opening the school and how it could help make friendship, create friendships all over. Then, of course, while the, you know, congratulating Twilight on actually accomplishing what this, her goal of her school accomplishing what it was set out to do, especially with the student six, or the young six, that's when we all suddenly, we see, that's when we all, that's when all of a sudden we see a changeling splat against the shield, along with Soren, he gets splatted against the shield. And then the shield does break down a little bit. It does kind of weaken, and we see who's holding up the shield besides, I think, Solar Flare and Starlight's dad. I can't think of his name right now, but besides Solar Flare, Starlight, and Sunburst, and all them, and, and Trixie, you know, we see who's holding up, who else is holding it up, and who the camera focuses on when the shield breaks down. Minuet, Lyra Heartstrings, and uh, I can't think of the, the other one. can't think of another name right now. I have to go back and watch uh, Amending Fences for that. But they'll focus, they're the ones the camera focuses on when the shield breaks. So just, and it looks like the villains are getting the upper hand. So just when it looks like they're about to, Twilight just blasts a laser like a line across the sand kind of deal. She says, enough. She explains to the villains that, hey, because of you, I almost lost my way. But thanks to them, I'm reminded of who I am. And she's, and she's given this speech reminding them what friendship is is and everything telling them how powerful and strong that is not only do you see so not only does twilight start to glow but in the process you see celestia luna starlight the pillars and uh, even discord get freed from the get freed and teleported to the exact location to the hill along with everybody else and the pillars, though, they're, they're teleported into the sky. And Rockhoof, because he had his magic drained by Turek, which reduced him back to a child, a childlike form, is able to get back his Herculean-like form. So as she's saying this, the pillars show up in the sky because she brings them up first. Then her friends join her up in the sky. They get teleported up. And then the student six show up because she's talking past, present, when the, her friends go up and join her. And future with the which means the young six. And after she So basically she says her spill or says her speech, which is a great speech, no doubt about it. She even acknowledges that these lessons of friendship and everything are gonna be taught and carried on even after we're gone. Acknowledging that hey, me and my friends, we're not gonna live forever, but generations will. And what happens after that is you see this big old rainbow light, like beam, you know, just shoot straight out of the pillars, out of the main seven, out of the main seven, or out of the the rest of the main seven, and then out of the young six, right towards twilight. She emanates it out of a horn. It blasts the window, goes away, and the darkness away. And Cozy Glow's reaction when she sees this, she's like, 
this is bad, isn't it? It's almost like Cozy Glow right there is regretting, like, you know what? Maybe I should have uh, learned how to make friends the way Twilight was teaching. And the big old rainbow light just, just straight down and basically reverts, reverts um, the magic, or basically reverts uh, T-Rex, Cozy Glow, and Chrysalis back to the natural forms. Which, of course, means T-Rex back to being basically like a sack of bones, almost. Cozy Glow's like, oh, you know, no more unicorn magic, whatever. Crystalis, of course, is not happy about it. It's like, kind of deal, kind of like that. And then, of course, Crystalis, then, like I said, she's not happy. She tries to come up with a, a, re, a rebuttal by saying, Oh, you think friendship's going to protect you. We will always return. We will, boom. And then she's saying that a big old freaking cupcake drops down on her. It drops down on her. And the reason for this is because Pinkie Pie ends up gaining... Uh, grabbing or catching uh, Grogar's bell. Grogar Discord's bell, if you will. Which causes her, because even Twilight's like, you caught his, caught his bell, how do you feel? And she's like, uh, tingly? So she starts saying, you know, funny, tingly, stuff like that. And all of a sudden she just, tingly, funny, you know, stuff like that. And suddenly she just grows when she says, funny, you know, to the point that I, and all of a sudden she's a boom, just grows into a giant pinky, chaos god pinky, if you will, you know, temporarily, where she's like, I can revert the whole entire universe into nothing but sweets kind of deal. Hold on. Right, never mind. I think she hit the number by mistake. That was my mom calling. She hit the number by mistake. But anyway, she gets temporarily turned into a chaos god-like being. Uh, Discord grabs it saying, you know, maybe I should you know, hold on to this. And basically uses it to revert Pinky back. Twilight, of course, catches her. And, tween, and Pinky's got all this dizziness in her eyes. She's like, before she kind of passes out temporarily. And, and um, she's like, she's got this line after, you know, Twilight catches her when she's returned back to normal. And uh, she's got this line that's like, Raider, there's some chaos in my soup. <laughs> and it just passes out. So, anyway, long story short, long story short, Discord uses the bell to restore his magic and restore Celestial Luna's. And just as the villains are crawling out of the uh, from the bottom of the cupcake, Celestial Luna's just are right there. And Celestia's like, "There's no punishment. There's no punishment enough to account for what you did." In other, words, in other words, she's saying, what, she, I, in other words, what Celestia is saying is, there is no regular punishment. She doesn't say regular, but she's basically saying, there is no punishment that she, basically Celestia is like, there's no punishment that can make up for what you did. There is no kind of punishment she can think of, and then that, that she and Luna can think of, and that is until uh, Discord whispers in the ears, you know, an idea and Luna's like, ooh, that does sound like a good idea. Like, ooh, that could work. What is that? That does... Well, no, Luna's like, ooh, that does sound like a good idea. And Discord's like, may I help, please? Because you have two Discords, you know, kind of whispering both in their ears simultaneously, you know, what to do. So what punishment do they come up with that might be beyond regular locked-in Tartarus kind of stuff? 
How about the punishment combined with Discord's powers? Luna, Celestia, and Discord's powers combined. How about the punishment that Celestia and Luna gave Discord? Yeah. They basically turn, not individually, but together, they turn Crystallis, Turek, and Cozy Glow into a statue. They turn her into they turn him into a statue. And Discord has the line of I couldn't think of a better together forever. I couldn't think of anything they'd want less. And let me touch upon that punishment for a se for a second because I know a lot of people have been talking about it. See a lot of people when this happened when when the episodes first came out uh, unintentionally thanks to the Netherlands in a Dutch language and then later on thanks to a hack either way you either way you saw it early depending on how you saw it early if you did not everybody was thrilled with this not not thrilled or excited that Turek and Crystallis got what they deserved but they weren't thrilled that part of that punishment was cozy glow that Cozy Glow, a filly, was turned to stone. Now, people questioned, you know, even Josh Scorcher, when he did his review of School Rays, the season 8 finale, even he questioned Cozy Glow being locked up in Tartarus. I can only imagine Josh's reaction when he sees this. But anyway, that's the one thing people were upset about. It's like, wait a minute. You know, what if she has family looking for her? What are they going to do? Show up in Ponyville or Cantalot and all of a sudden they're going to see a... They're going to see a statue and part of that statue is their niece or their daughter. And it's like, oh my God, what happened? You know, so it's like... You know, I can understand why people are upset. Everybody's even mentioned it. But when you think about it, the way she's been portrayed... The fact that she had no origin, no background, you know, that she's just there. You know, maybe the comics might explore on it later, but the season 10 comics. But overall, though, even in her short appearance, I think when you combine what Turek did in season 4, you combine what Chrysalis has done, not once, but twice, in the season 2 finale and the season 6 finale. When you combine and then you combine that with what Cozy Glow did in season 8. Yeah, you might you may not agree with Cozy Glow being part of the given the same punishment, but you have to admit combined together this is a suitable punishment no matter how you look at it. So basically yeah, uh, the villains are turned to stone. Celestia congratulates Twilight, saying she knew from the beginning that, you know, Twilight would be ready for this, and now she is. And the second act, second part, if you will, um, ends with Twilight and her friends spending time at the donut shop, eating donuts, and basically saying that in Twilight Santa she couldn't think of anybody, uh, uh, anybody else, what, uh, any better way to celebrate the victory and the start of a new future and all that. 
And there are two significant lines in there from both Fluttershy and Rainbow Dash. Fluttershy basically says it feels like it's the end of an era. Rainbow Dash is like, or the beginning of an, or the beginning of an awesomely new one. So, fan interpretation, you can take that as you will when it comes to those lines. So, yeah, basically they celebrate by spending time in the donut shop. That's how the second part, the second act, um, ends. Um, so it's, it's really good. So it's really good. Really good. Then we get the last act, the final act, if you will, called... And, and I guess if you look at it from a chapter perspective, or an epilogue chapter perspective, the last problem. But the way they, the, the way they worked it out and they edited it out, or edited it around it, is instead of like... Of course they're going to probably have these in individually when they air the episodes individually... Because there's no doubt, and believe me, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to have to air these episodes individually back to back to back when they do so. But, but what happened is, uh, what they did is, because you might have noticed that during the, the presentation, the titles that would usually be at the bottom or the top of the screen, you know, and who they're written by and all that, and who the story's by and all that, were not there. The way they worked around this, especially when it came to the last uh, 30 minutes. Let me just check something new. But when it came to the last 30 minutes, the way they worked around this is they had this little transition screen that said, many moons later. Now, depending on how you interpretate that, it's up to you. Um, according to Jim Miller and his Q&A that he was doing today, and he'll probably continue it later on, uh, from, what he was able to, from what he was able to come up with is many moons is the moon cycle in Equestria is equal to one lunar cycle here, here in reality. So in other words, we know that one lunar cycle is a month. So many moons could be many months. We don't know the time period. But we do know enough time has passed because, yes, it does take place in the future, which is another gripe I will acknowledge fans didn't like. But you know what? Sometimes if it's done correctly, a time skip episode, especially serving as part of the finale, can work. And to me, this did. Because the first character we see many moons later make an appearance is Spike. And Spike... I, I don't know what to say. It's like, holy crap. Holy crap. Spike, you wanted him to grow. For those of you that thought he's not big enough, he's still a child. Sparity, Spike, and, Spike and Rarity shouldn't be, he's still a child. What do you have to say now? <laughs> what do you have to say now with Spike in the future. What do you have to say now? <laughs> it's like, holy crap! And everybody was talking about this. They were joking about it a little bit, but they were talking about it. Out it like, holy crap! We didn't expect this. Even Jim Miller had to say, yeah, we had to get around. And Jim Miller said in one of the Q and A tweets that when someone asked about the design change for Spike in the last problem on this final part art. They said, "Yeah, we had to go work around with Has. We had to work with Hasbro to get around with that. In other words, they had to make a make a deal. 
So I guess part of the deal was it wouldn't just be a total, you know, future episode. It had to be done in flashback. You had to have a, a tie-in to, to, the, to the original continuity. And that's what they did. Because, yeah, we do see Spike grown. He's huge. He's big. And like I said, a lot of people joke about the fact that Spike, Spike became a hunk. Now he can be with Rarity. Rarity's going to want this guy. You know, somebody even said in a joke on Twitter, you know, you look at this guy, and he pretty much impregnated most of Equestria. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, these are just things I read on Twitter. But anyway, yeah. Spike is grown. He's huge. You know, he shows up saying he would have been there sooner. But, you know, trying to keep peace between two, I think the Diamond Dogs and another race I can't think of it right now is not, and being Friendship Ambassador is not easy. And then that's when we see Twilight, and this is another complaint some people have had, Twilight being a Celestial clone. Twilight's new design being a Celestial clone. But not entirely. You could tell that there's, it's a hybrid. It's a hybrid of Celestia, uh, it's a hybrid of Celestia's design and Twilight's design. You could see that. So, Anyway, Twilight calls upon Spike to help her out with the situation when it comes to her top student. And we meet her top student. Her top student is named Luster Dawn. Uh, I think voiced by a girl named Sabrina or something. And she's uh, escorted into the castle by one of the royal guards. And that guard is Gallus. Yes, Gallus is a royal guard as far as I know. And I'm sure Josh Scorcher is going to bring this up when he talks about it. I'm sure he's going to bring this up when he talks about it. Gallus is the first non-pony royal guard. That, that's unbelievable. Anyway. Anyway. Um, Spike is brought there, like I said, by Twilight to, to help her with her student. Because his student, Lester Dawn, just doesn't feel like she belongs in the School of Magic. Because, get this, you want to know why Starlight took over as the head mayor of the School of Friendship? Because Twilight, taking over for Celestia and Luna, took over teaching and running the School of Magic. So, anyway, long story short, um, Lester Dawn basically feels like it's not for her. And that she just doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to make friends and all that. Which kind of surprises Spike a little bit. And everything. And even Spike has a line like, Hello, I think later on, like, Hello, Royal Friendship Advisor. Or, right here, duh. You know. So anyway, Twilight, you know, basically uses uh, what we're going to get as the flashback, as the plot of the story, to kind of teach her her student a lesson about you know friendship being a good thing so as she's walking with her student across the throne room we see all these glass windows and one of them that people pointed out was one of flory Hart grown up i guess now as the queen or the princess and the new ruler of the crystal empire so anyway, long. So anyway, getting to the point here, she tells her the story to kind of, like I said, teach her how, how important friendship is, because she basically says she felt the same way at one point, or, or something. 
she gives her the story of her, the day of her coronation and how everything and how basically they were in a hurry to get things ready. So she tells Lester Dawn the story of her coronation, how they were packed, how it all began with her and Spike packing things up. Even Spike, a little bit of character development here, you know, when Twilight feels like, uh, let me check, let me make sure we've got everything. Da, 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 da. And then she finds the number one Power Ponies comic, the issue of one Power Ponies comic, uh, of Spike's, and she tries to say, look, you know, we're taking, and basically she tells Spike, look, you know, we're going to take this no matter what you say. We're taking it. So, yeah, they're doing all that. And, you know, it's like, you know, she's kind of concerned still. She starts worrying. And Spike's like, look, you know, why don't you talk to the others? See how they feel. So, that's what they do. They go to all the rest of the main seven and it seems like all the main seven are more occupied about getting things ready for the coronation. They're not really caring uh, about Twilight leaving until they show up at the castle. And Twilight finally lets out her frustrations like, you guys act like, you know, our friendship never mattered. And then we find out that basically the reason they kept themselves occupied, because Twilight's in tears. She's telling them, look, it feels like you guys don't care. And finally we get, and Spike even says, yeah, I was there with her. So I saw that. And finally all of them let, finally let it out, out that, yeah, they do feel sad. They are upset. They are on the verge of tears. But the reason they acted the way they did is because they wanted to distract themselves from feeling that way. From letting out all the emotion of, this is it. This is the end, possibly. That we may not see each other anymore. So yeah, they all have, they all do finally have a good cry. Now during all this, we're getting, uh, we're transitioning back to the present or the future, with uh, Lester Dawn trying to interpretate everything that Twilight's telling her. And you know, throughout that, you know, you know that Twilight's trying to tell her. So I was, I thought I heard something, but like I said, she's trying to interpretate everything Twilight's telling her and we finally transition back to the present, uh, the past if you will, to the coronation where they all hop on the train and then Rainbow Dash flies off to go check on the Wonderbolts because one of the things uh, that we do have here is um, some dialogue, some character development by, by Spitfire, believe it or not, because Spitfire acknowledges, look, you know, I understand how important this is to you, but are you sure this is the way this is, this routine has to be done this way? You know, so yeah. Anyway, long story short, uh, they they, <laughs> they get on the train. You know, they're all taking care of the stuff, stuff and everything. Or taking care of some last minute details, and you can obviously tell that. There are certain moments, there are certain things that are going to occur that are going to kind of make it a very awkward, like, ceremony, coronation, if you will. So, long, so basically, they're getting, they're, like I said, they're on the train, and it looks like everything's running smoothly until they end up being stopped by a flock of sheep right in the middle of the road. So, they have to end up walking or teleporting themselves all the way to Cantalot 
uh, in time for the royal ceremony. And they get there, and as they get there, as they get as they get there, Luna and Celestia are a little surprised at how Twilight looks. Looks and everything, but she assures them she's fine. And uh, basically, they said, "Well, if you're ready to go, and you know, well, now, well, what I'm saying is that." They see that how Twilight looks when Twilight and them finally uh, arrive. And again, I'm sorry, I'm, I think I'm being distracted here a little bit because I don't know if my family's going to show up. That's the thing. But anyway, like I said, she gets this, you know, Twilight shows up and basically, you know, Luna and Celestia are surprised at how she looks. She explains she's fine, they're all right, they're ready to go. Oh, and everything. They just had a little bit of an obstacle to get through. So. Yeah, basically Luna and Celestia go ahead of her. Luna suggests maybe, you know, you know, she should go with them, get this done with. Uh, but Twilight's like, look, I just need a little bit of a breather here. <laughs> here. Then Rarity shows up just as they think, okay, just as they're ready to walk out with her. And Rarity's like, no, she's not. I, I have her dress. She has to put this on. And Luna and Celestia are like, okay, no problem. We'll give you time. So they go out there. They give a speech about, you know, the trend, you know, they give a good speech, basically of how long they've ruled, ruled and everything, and that the time has come for a transition in power. And in this audience of creatures, we see the dragons. We see, we see Ember and the dragons. We see Autumn Blaze is in there. We see, of course, Cadence and Shining Armor. Shining Armor looks like he's on the verge of tears a little bit, because this is a big moment for his big sis, for his little sister. You know, and I think Twilight Velvet and, and Nightlight are there. Um, we see Capper. Yeah, Capper's there. Uh, we see Tempest Shadow. Uh, I'm surprised we didn't see Skystar and no no Novo, so we have to have to rewatch, see if I missed them. Or even the Pirates. That's another thing I'll admit. The one characters that we didn't get making an appearance were the Pirates. What the heck? You know, anyway... Anyway, though, we see most of every creature and pony that they've, taught, they've encountered and become friends with there. And Twilight, finally, she's suited. She's got her dress on and everything. Rarity has a tear in her eye saying, Twilight, you look perfect. She puts a little bit of a, I think, a little bit of a scarf on her or something like that. I can't think of the name. Uh, not knowing that the spiders that she's utilizing, because she, one of the things Rarity's doing now, she's utilizing these little spiders to help do some of the work for her. So, she doesn't realize two of them are on Twilight's dress. Or Twilight's uh, scarf or whatever it is. So, Twilight comes out as soon as, just as Celestia is announcing her as the new ruler of Equestria. And the way they pass down the power to uh, Twilight is by merging, fusing both of the crowns into one. Thus, fusing their magic the powers into one uh, crown for Twilight to utilize. So, anyway, um, anyway, the the coronation it goes off without it goes off with some hitches, some hiccups, and everything. Um, you know, because just as Twilight's about to be crowned and all that, all of a sudden you have the 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 bird, these little butterflies flying around her. You see the spider. At, Going after the butterflies, all this stuff happening. You see the Wonderbolts flying in, in with Spitfire saying, "Look, no rainbow. Well, Rainbow Dash ain't here, but still, we're gonna get this done with." And they fly in. You see Gumby, Gummy, 
Gummy Pink's Pinkie Pie's alligator shooting off the fireworks. <laughs> oh, I could, I could just imagine people having fun with that. Uh, anyway, though, Gummy, he's shooting off the fireworks. And um, everything's just going... You, you know how they say something can go on without a hitch? This had many hitches to it, but still, but still, in the end, the coronation went went smoothly. You know, Twilight does get crowned, crowned and everything. She falls, because here's what happened. Twilight falls off the balcony, but she's caught, I think, or she flies up herself uh, and gets the crown put on top of her. You know, and then you hear Applejack go, to Twilight, and then all of a sudden... I guess that's the, the cue for the, the waiters and all that to pour the, the stuff, the apple juice or whatever, uh, into the glasses for, for everybody to drink. But here's what happens. So during the flashback, when uh, Applejack is on the train with them going to Cantalot, she's hoping Big Mac's getting all the orders that they were getting ready for the, the ceremony. She's hoping her brother gets them all corrected. Wrong! Because <laughs> what happens is he ends up giving the apple juice to, um... <laughs> he ends up giving the apple juice to the bakers. I think they're the bakers of cakes and all that and all that for the ceremony. She en he ends up giving the apple juice to them. And he ends up giving the... I think it's the applesauce. That's what it is. Okay, he gives the applesauce to... to so he gives the apple juice to the bakers. He gives the applesauce to to the waiters to pour his drinks. And you can tell Big Mac's frustration, like unsureness, when he's delivering like the last box, which is supposed to be the applesauce. He's like, uh, yeah, I'm sure of it. You know, so, yeah. So anyway, the waiters pour the stuff. Applejack, I mean, Applejack literally sees what it is. She's like holding up a glass like this. She sees what it is. Looks towards her brother. Looks towards Big Mac, and Big Mac's like, oh. and Sugarbell kind of has to consult him a little bit with a smile on her face, like it's okay. You made a little bit of a mistake. And you can just tell everybody's reaction. Some of the, I mean, some of them are okay with it, I guess. I mean, Spike ate it. We see Pinky, you know, eating it later on. We see. Trixie's reaction is like, bleh. <laughs> I'm not lying. Trixie literally has this reaction like, bleh. <laughs> oh, Trixie. Anyway, anyway. After that, we, Lester's Dawn is still interpreting what's going on. And then, you know, she's thinking, okay, maybe that's how your friendship ended. Da, da, da. Spike's saying, no, not exactly. And as he says that, in comes the main seven, the rest of the main group. And we see they've aged. And this is what really got to a lot of people from an emotional standpoint. Was, oh my gosh, these characters have aged. You know, is what Megan McCarthy and, you know, I think it was Megan or somebody saying, is what they told us not true? Is Twilight going to outlive her friends? But yet you have Lauren Faust that says, no, that's not going to happen. That would never be. That's not going to happen. But yet, Megan McCarthy... Well, I think it's Megan McCarthy. Or somebody said, 
Twilight's not going to outlive her friends. She's not going to be immortal. And yet, Twilight's the only one that's statuesque over her friends. She's the only one that's become statuesque over her friends. So, anyway, we see Pinkie Pie, and we see Pinkie has a daughter. It's a little cheese, a little filly called Little Cheese. I think it's a daughter or a son. I think it's I think it's their son because uh, Jim Miller said in the Q and A they didn't have a uh, they came up with little cheese but he wanted something else or something like that so it's a boy so they had a son even though it looks like a girl go figure excuse me excuse me there anyway you have um, you have that surprise which means her and Cheese Sandwich got together you have. Then you have Rarity show up. Rarity still looks the same. Has a robe on and everything. Has little wrinkles a little bit. And there's a little bit of silver in her hair. And everybody's wondering, well, Rarity, why are you wearing a robe? It's not that cold. She basically acknowledges you have no idea how busy it is in Yakyakistan. You know, so... It might have been cold up there. That's why she wore it. And then we see Rainbow Dash and Applejack come in. And Rainbow Dash's line is, you know, if you would just help me, let me help you out with some of the chores, we would have been done sooner. And then Applejack's like, well, if you knew, did them right the first time, I would be okay. And this, in that line right there, those two lines right there, is what really got people being like, oh my god, they did it. They put Applejack and, Rar Applejack and Rainbow Dash together. That's the implication, you know, just by those lines. And then we see Fluttershy come out of a portal, given a, a bag lunch by Discord, and Fluttershy is there. She says Discord can't be there because he's going to be attending a, a, a convention, an O&O convention, Oogly and Ogres and Ogolets, or whatever it is. Their interpretation of Dungeons and Dragons, or their version of it. So basically, Lester Dawn's kind of like surprised, like, wait a minute, you're all here. You know, you know, she's not truly understanding just yet. And then Twilight basically says, yeah, look, my coronation may have not gone off without a hitch, but let me finish. Well, she doesn't tell her, let me finish, but she basically tells her, true, it wasn't, you know, true, my coronation didn't go off the way it should have been, but that's not part of, but that's not the true part of the story. So she so we go into another flashback. Coronation is over. Everybody has a good laugh about it. Starlight and Spike show up with uh, essentially a gift. It, it was a gift that Starlight wanted to give earlier, except all the all the rest of the main seven were in a hurry to get to the train. So they basically sped by her, and she's like, "Woohoo!" she gets sped by uh, anyway, or run by uh, anyway. So you know, Starlight's there. Uh, along with uh, Spike, and they have this gift to give to her, and they say it's something you could look at anytime. That since you're leaving, mo moving back to Cantalot, leaving Ponyville, you know, here's something that will remind you of all the times, you know, all the good times. She opens it, and it's basically a book of memories. It's kind of like a scrapbook, a photo book, but all the pictures we see are moving pictures of all the scenes. And she's touched by this. And she's and it gives her an idea like, you know what? This is nice and everything, but this shouldn't just be the only time. This shouldn't be the only thing. And Rarity's like, well, what else can we do since we're going to be living separately away from each other? 
And she comes up with the idea, well, you know what? Maybe that won't have to be if we, once a moon, once a, once a lunar moon, come together. And that's when she announces them as the Council of Friendship. Right then and there, where basically they will meet up together once a month to see how things are going, kind of, you know, spend time together, stuff like that. Of course, Celestia overhears this, says that's a great first royal decree. She loves the idea. Her and Luna are there basically to acknowledge that, you know, they've made the right choice. Once again, to acknowledge they made the right choice. They know Celestia uh, uh, is in good hooves and everything, hanging and everything with Twilight and her friends ruling over it. And that now it's time for them to go and say goodbye. Twilight's a little taken back by this. Uh, Luna then uh, says that she hopes they'll come visit them in Silver Shores, which is a retirement uh, location for ponies of all kinds. Kinds um, after they decide to hang it up or step down, if you will. You know, Twilight then thanks them for everything, gives them a hug. Luna gives Twilight a little kiss on the cheek. They all get embraced. They all have one big embrace in the end, and. And with uh, Celestia putting her wings around them. And then that's how the flashbacks end. And basically, it's a, and basically it, everything starts coming together for uh, Lester Dawn, uh, Twilight student uh, in the future. Uh, Twilight, uh, basically, she, you know, notice, she realizes that what's around her is the Council of Friendship. You know, she even kind of mentions that I thought with you guys, you know, being where you're going and all that, that, you know, and Twilight's like, what, that our friendships would just end? End and everything, and they have a good chuckle. Rarity points out, uh, Rarity, Applejack, and all of them point out that this is how they're ruling Acrestia. That by once a month, they come together, they see how things are, they hang out, out, and then they go the separate ways. They go back to, you know, the separate ways of ruling Acrestia, you know, helping out stuff like that so anyway this whole you know so anyway this um this you know really touches Lester Dawn she's um uh taking like I said touches Lester Dawn she's uh realizing that you know maybe friendship is a good thing but she just hasn't had time uh to to make the friendship she needs because of all the schoolwork and stuff so Twilight decides you want well, you know what I know how you feel and I know exactly where you need to be. And she comes up, and, and um, that's when the song, The Magic of Friendship Grows, uh, begins. And I can tell you, what a song to go off on. What a song to go off on. Very, very heartfelt, very emotional. Um, you basically have, and it's through the song that you see everyone in the future and how they look. You see Diamond Tiara, Silver Spoon, and the other friend that they have all grown up. You see Lyra and Bonbon together now that they're married. Yes, they are married. We see an older Derby still delivering mail. You know, stuff like that. Uh, you know, so we see a lot of this. Um, we see, uh, you know, the, the Cake Twins, they're grown up. We see Cheese Sandwich now with Pink New. Obviously confirmed that Pinky and Cheese Sandwich are together because they're riding on a big old freaking gummy gator. That's that. That's a surprise. 
Then later on we see, um, what is it, uh, Rainbow Dash, Ash, and this is the one thing that really surprised people was Rainbow Dash's look in the future. It's basically very similar to uh, Spitfires, and it's confirmed basically that she now is in the position that Spitfire is in. She's the captain of the Wonderbolts. So that's her future, and we see her flying with future Wonderbolts. I couldn't see whether or not one of them was non-pony or something, but we definitely see it. But we definitely see that she's the captain of the Wonderbolts. Then we see Rarity do her line, and we see the fact that uh, Yona and, and Sambar have taken over her boutique in, in Ponyville, and that Sambar and Yona are together. I don't know if the, the kid that ran out was their kid or something, but they're together, Sambar and Yona. Good callback to She's All Yak. Uh, then we get a look at the School of Friendship. We see Silverstream. She's grown. She's, I guess, the guardian or the guard of the, of the School of Friendship or something. The hall monitor. I don't know. Uh, and then we see Starlight and Sunburst. Sunburst has got a big old beard now. And, you know, Starlight's got a, like a little robe and everything. Thing. Uh, so I guess it's implied they're together somewhat. Then we see Trixie escorting a, looks like a baby, look, a, a young griffin, I should say into one of the classes taught by an officially adult Scootaloo. Yes, Scootaloo. We see the CMCs back in their uh, designs from growing up is hard to do. And we see that they're teachers at the School of Friendship along with a grown-up Smolder and Ocellus. And I guess it's implied they're together? I don't know. It's like some people some people look at like some of these interactions like, really? Okay, and then we see Applejack, and uh, she goes back down to the apple farm, and we see an older uh, Sugar Bell and Big Mac. Big Mac's hair is uh, cut a little bit, shortened, and uh, we see Sugar Bell with a little bit of silver in her hair. And then we see a kid jump out of the apple barrels and hug uh, Applejack, because Applejack's one of her lines in the song is, Generations to Come. And it's like, holy moly. And then we see Fluttershy do her line. And it's a beautiful, she does a beautiful, her li she gets a beautiful solo in this song as well. Fluttershy, we see her, you know, we see Discord and all that. And obviously, you could tell Fluttershy maybe might have gotten a little older to way that, I don't know if maybe with the animation, but it looks like her walking slowed her down a little bit or something. I'm not really sure. So anyway, then we get Twilight finishing off the song by shooting off a big beam of rainbow across. And then we see the rest of the main six running across the screen. We see individually where we see them in the background as they're running across. We see in the background all the characters that they've been associated with. You know, from, you know, rivals, f friends, and all that. So you see that with, with uh, Pinkie Pie... You see that with um, Rainbow Dash, you see that with Fluttershy, you see that with Rarity, and yes, in the background, and, and yes, one of the characters in that background uh, screenshot, when Rarity's coming across the screen, is Capper, he's there. And then we have Twilight finishing it off, and yes, your eyes weren't deceiving you, among that collage of characters behind Twilight, when she's doing her part, is not just Tempest Shadow again, but, but, 
Yep. Her. Sunset Shimmer. So you didn't just have Starlight and Tempest in the background along with that collage of characters when Twilight was singing her part towards the end, but you had Sunset Shimmer thus officially acknowledging that as we've all pretty much figured out, Equestria Girls and Friendship is Magic is the same continuity. So there you go. But anyway, the song is good. It's really nice, really beautiful. And it ends with a little bit of the instrumental of My Little Pony uh, right there. And then we see Lusta Dawn as she nuzzles uh, Twilight a little bit. Well, after Twilight nuzzles her and reassures her that this is going to be good for you. We see a new group of characters from a Kirin, a Griffin, uh, a Yak, and a po and I think um, in a Sea Pony, I think, walking out. I know it's a, a griffin, a dragon, uh, a, a sea po uh, uh, um, what is it, uh, a sea pony, pony, and, um, you know, like I said, we see, a, so we see Lester Don, you know, walk towards a group of young students of a Kirin, a griffin, a dragon, and a yak, and I think a sea pony, that's kind of, I guess, a bit of a nod of saying, this to the next generation, this is the next generation of, of protectors. Like, here's your next generation of protectors of Equestria. And then we see the sun kind of set in the background with the, the main seven standing on the hill. Rarity next to Spike because someone pointed out that she had to actually come out from behind Spike a little bit. And to stand next to him in, in Twilight. We see Pinky sitting over here. We see Fluttershy sitting next to Twilight. Uh, on this side as well, and then we see Rainbow Dash flying just above uh, Applejack with a hoof on top of Applejack's uh, head, hat, if you will. And like I said, the sun goes down a little bit, and then all of a sudden, the picture zooms out, and it's a big old pic, and it's like a big picture collage, and the book closes. Thus, the series comes to an end. And, uh, I'll tell you. I will tell you honestly, guys. And I don't know, man. This has been going on for a long time. This is going to be a big render, guys. So check out that when it happens. But but I'll tell you guys. I I don't know what else to say about this about this finale except this. If you want a good example of how to do a finale, live action or animated wise, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Now I understand there's a lot of hiccups. There's been, there's a, I understand, no, not, no, I'm not saying there were a lot of hiccups, but, uh, I, I understand fans' frustrations. You know, I really do. I understand the fans' frustrations. I understand they didn't like the idea that, um, the finale, or not the finale, they didn't, well, overall, like I said, I understand that there were a few things that fans didn't like. I know they didn't like the fact that Grogar was actually Discord in disguise, and that according to Jim Miller, the initial plan was just to go with the trio of villains in the first place, whether you believe that or you don't. Um, I can I can understand how fans felt about the whole future time skip epilogue being like the final thing we see. I can understand that, but if you put that all aside, ladies and gentlemen, fellow Bronies and Pegasus sisters. This, to me, 
was probably the best way to go out. And you know what? And you know what? This This was not a regular series finale. This was something that is given very rarely or on several occasions on several different occasions to shows that have made an impact. It is. It is given that treatment. But never once has an animated series ever been given it until now. And that is the movie treatment. And that's what this was. This wasn't just a regular series finale or a season finale. This was a movie finale for the series. In fact, there were people up in New York City, Bronies NYC, I think they called themselves, that gathered in a room and saw the finale on a big screen. Not a theater big screen, but a big enough screen to where it felt like it. That shows you, the, that, that to me, right there, you could tell that even those people, excuse me, even those people up there and others, uh, others watching this acknowledge the fact that this wasn't just a traditional series finale or season finale. This was a movie finale. You know, everybody's been one, and you know what's funny? Everybody was always wondering, will we get My Little Pony the movie too? After the success of the 2017 film. Well, guess what? Consider this. To me, in my opinion, consider My Little Pony's series finale as My Little Pony the Movie 2. Consider this the sequel to My Little Pony the Movie 2. Because think about it. You had appearances by characters we saw in the movie, except for maybe the pirates, which I was kind of surprised by. And even Songbird Serenade was, again, I was kind of surprised by. But anyway, you had appearances by these characters, even if they were non-speaking. And to me, to me, I can't think of any, of any way else to look at it. I can't. I, I, I really can't. You know, did they start with the My Little Pony theme, maybe, regularly? Probably. But I can't think of any way else to look at this. I mean, you know, and you know why I bring this up? You know why I bring this up? It's the same reason I brought up why I thought at one time Rainbow Road Trip could be the sequel to the My Little Pony movie. Because of the fact that Hasbro is no stranger to it. Hasbro's no stranger. Hasbro decided through Family Home Entertainment to take the two-part season three finale, which I think originally was supposed to be the series finale at one point, for Transformers Generation 1, The Return of Optimus Prime, and acknowledge in the background of the VHS disc the longer-rated sequel to Transformers the movie. So, um, so I would not put it... So to me, when I looked at Rainbow Road Trip originally, that's how I saw it. Well, you know what? I don't think we can look at it that way anymore. I think if we want to look at a true sequel, the finale to the series is the true sequel. Just the way it was done from top to bottom. 
Yes, it has some hiccups. Yes, it has some moments people may not agree with. But you know what? You put a lot of that small negativity aside and you look at the overall positive, this is a great finale, no matter what. And that song, The Magic of Friendship Grows, do not be surprised that if they decide to release another CD down the line or they decide, decide to go an MP3 route, that that song becomes its own thing. Now that song is available for download down the line. Anyway, anyway though guys, wrapping this up because I know it's gone long. This is a finale that was worth watching. It's a great, it wrapped up a lot of stuff. And you know what, if you have any questions, instances of why certain things wasn't touched upon, you know, what's happening in between uh, the finale and the epilogue, the time skipping if you will, Hopefully, you're going to get your answers in the season 10, in season 10, yes, it is the 10th season, but only in comic form by IDW. And from what I understand, M.A. Larson is coming back to do one of those issues. So, hopefully we'll get some answers in the comic book, and maybe go in, like I said before, in other videos, in areas and directions they couldn't go in before. And just to open this up, Jim Miller, when people were asking him about ships during the recent Q&A, he said it's basically what I talked about. It's all open to interpretation. And I look at the fact that when I see this scene during the song of Rarity, she's looking up at Twilight and then quickly gazes and looks a lot longer and stares a lot longer up at Spike. Open to interpretation. I think a lot of Sparity fans will take something like that and her coming up from behind Spike and standing next to him at the end of the song as basically saying there is something between them that's more than friendship now that they are together but it's the kind of relationship ladies and gentlemen that's basically to where even though the Council of Friendship meets up once a month which is once a lunar once a moon that you can't tell me Spike and Rarity don't get together besides that. Open to interpretation, guys. Open to interpretation. So anyway, that's my review for My Little Pony, the series finale. Thank you all for watching. Thank you, Jim Miller, Nicole Dubuque, Megan McCarthy, Lauren Faust, Kathy Westlick, Ashley Ball, Andrea Limbrin, Tara Strong. You know, thank you all for giving us, uh, Nicole Oliver, Rebecca Shore, thank you all for giving us a great time with this show. Thank you very much. Love you guys. Thank you all for watching. Peace out.